This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello, and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And we've got kind of a special episode for you guys today. It's, it's, a, it's an interview. Yes, an interview with more than one person. What? We're getting more than one person to talk to us? Madness. <laughs> We're surprised to see you guys. <laughs> we are. Um, and it's thanks to Julia Bainbridge, who was in our Mocktails episode. She put us in touch with one Julia, a different Julia, Julia Tertian, a food writer and activist who often works with concepts that we've touched on before on the show, like the biases and prejudices that workers face in the food industry, particularly workers who also happen to be women or gender nonconforming and or people of color and or LGBTQ+. Right. Uh, fighting these biases is is really important to us here at Food Stuff, as you might have garnered from previous episodes. So we, we wanted to bring Julia on to talk about her work and particularly one of the projects that she just launched that's called Equality at the Table or EAT. And she started that along with input from a board of advisors. And she's also brought along one of those advisors to speak with us today, Hawa Hassan, the creator and owner of Bas Bas, a line of Somali hot sauces and chutneys that are made and sold here in the United States. So let's let, let's get straight to talking with them. So uh, my name is Julia Tertian. I am a cookbook author, and I am also the founder of 
equityatthetable.com, um, also known as EAT with two T's. Uh, and it's a very easy to navigate digital directory um, for women and non-binary individuals in food. I am Hawa Hassan. I am the CEO of Best Best Condiments, which is a line of Somali sauces that are sold across the United States at the moment. I live in New York City, and I'm excited to be on this call today. Uh, how did how did you guys first find each other, meet each other? How did we first find each other? Julia interviewed yeah. me for a piece about activism yeah, uh, for a magazine in New York City. And then uh, we became friends over email. I invited her to an immigration um, dinner I was having right after the Muslim ban happened. And then we just kept in touch. And and Julia wrote me asking if I would be a part of Feed the Resistance. So really, we bonded over activism. And I, I was a part of Feed the Resistance, Julia's cookbook. Uh, and then we carried on the relationship. And shortly after that, I think Julia wanted to address some of the issues that were happening um, in the food industry. And when she thought of Eat, she, you know, reached out to some women that she respected. And I was w- lucky enough to be one of them. <laughs> That's all accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about Eat? Sure. Yeah. So... Um, Equity at the Table is, um, it's a resource, it's a tool, it's um, a directory of individuals, and when I first was thinking about it, you know, I thought it would be this really helpful thing for the food industry, um, you know, a place to find people and learn about new people, and I thought, well, surely this exists, I just don't know about it yet, um, so I started kind of Googling away and asking friends and colleagues um, and just kept realizing this thing that I uh, thought would be so useful and, and needed um, didn't didn't exist yet in this way that I kind of visualized it. And so I started, the first step was to put together the advisory board to reach out to Hala and to some other, um, you know, friends and colleagues and just talk about what this could be and, you know, what purposes it could serve. And those conversations were just so valuable. Um, And just having that community, having the advisory board just felt really like inspiring to me that I would want, you know, that type of community and that kind of conversation to exist for as many people as possible. Um, You know, for everyone to have a few people they can email or text and just kind of run things by. So that's sort of like the origin of EAT. And I logistically, I brought on a a web designer, a really awesome woman, um, to really build the site to do all the things that I have no idea how to do. And um, it started with a form that I sent out first to some people I knew and then, uh, you know, some people I wanted to know and some other people I found. And that form helped me put together the information for the first basically 100 members. Um, So when we launched the site, which we did on April 4th, um, so it's at this point like a little bit over a month old, um, you know, we started with about 100 people and the point of that was to really start kind of with the thing itself, not the idea of the thing. You know, I really mm-hmm. wanted anyone visiting the site from day one to really get what it was and who it was for and, and what it stood for. Um, and the site has grown 
people are joining every day. I think we're at about 450 members. I started an Instagram feed to kind of help continue to introduce people. And um, in terms of what the site stands for and everything, there's basically two categories of um, of individuals. There's there's food professionals, which are kind of uh, you know, everything from chefs to bakers and writers and farmers and photographers. And then there's resources for those professionals. So things like accountants and lawyers and that kind of stuff. And the food professionals at this point, we have it open to women and non-binary individuals who identify as, as people of color or part of the LGBTQ community. Um, and the resources are open to all women and non-binary individuals. And I think you know, a conversation Hawa and the rest of the advisory board and I had a lot was, you know, can this site really kind of center the voices that haven't been centered and um, just lift up kind of the most marginalized of marginalized voices? And so that is, yeah, that's sort of the, the longer version, I would say, of what the site is. How has it been going since the launch? It has been, it's been pretty great. Um, I, one of my new daily activities is checking the eat email account <laughs> and just sort of responding to people. Um, the response has been really awesome. I think one thing that we've been talking a lot about is, you know, if, if we choose to kind of evolve eat into anything else, it's so much about it, not just being this directory for, um, people who aren't part of eat to find people who are on eat. Um, you know, it's also so much about the community and, you know, what are ways that we can work to connect, um, you know, members and work to connect all, all of the people who have signed up for eat because at this point it's, it's so cool. It's, you know, people across the world, you know, in different countries, people doing so many different things. Um, one type of email I feel like I keep responding to is like, hey, I want to be part of this, but my profession isn't listed. And just finding out all the different things people do that I never would have even thought of. <laughs> so it's, it's been pretty cool. So a lot of your work in the past has been on uh, the intersection between food and activism. Can you talk a little bit about that? And can each of you kind of say, how is that intersection personal? I mean, for me, I think the two go hand in hand because I'm a Somali refugee. My interest really lies in immigration policy and reform. For me, it's been really interesting to use foods that are foreign to people. You know, I live I live in New York, and so maybe people that aren't familiar with Somali cuisine or East African cuisine, to be able to do that over a plate of food at a table with complete strangers has been inspiring and eye-opening. And I think what I have found is that any conversation has been an easy one to have and over food that people don't know has not really been that much of an issue as I thought in the beginning. And so I've been really using food as a tool to have the tough conversations and introducing new cuisine. And it's been it's been interesting. It's been inspiring. And I've been able to meet friends like Julia and find interesting just between the two of us, um, that goes further, you know, way past food. Yeah. How about you, Julia? Yeah, I, I just, I could not agree more. Um, I feel like, I guess two kind of separate things that are related. One is that, you know, I have loved cookbooks my whole life. I've been cooking since before I can remember. And I taught myself how to cook from using cookbooks. Um, 
So that, you know, I'm one of those very fortunate people who's always known what they loved and I get to do what I love. Um, and so even though I was exposed to cookbooks at such a young age and, uh, you know, they've always meant so much to me, it wasn't until I got older that I, I really came to understand that these books that felt so important that I felt like I could see myself in, I could imagine myself making, um, they didn't reflect me in all the ways I, I, I thought they did. Um, and it's why I very intentionally bring my full self to my work, which, which includes the fact that I'm a very out and, and proud gay woman. Um, so I talk a lot about my personal um, just life and my marriage in my work. Um, and that is definitely on purpose. And, and the purpose is because I feel like cookbooks are such an incredible way to normalize things. You know, cookbooks are these objects people bring into their homes and they, um, they treat very differently than other types of media. Um, you know, people read cookbooks kind of for comfort and escape. Uh, you know, people fall asleep mm-hmm. to them. Uh, and then people cook out of them. You know, you make these actual recipes and you make things for your family or your holidays and stuff. So, you know, I know what cookbooks have meant to me. I know what they mean to other people. So if I can use my work to normalize what it means to be a gay woman in this country, to be married to another woman, that is really kind of my mission, even if it's not, you know, on the cover of the book or a title or something like that. Just weaving that in is really, really important to me. Um, It's a very sort of personal and I would say um, kind of maybe even subversive type of activism I do. And it's made me think a lot just in doing that from such a personal place. It's made me think so much about, you know, how cookbooks can function in all these other ways besides just, you know, a Tuesday night dinner or or helping you with like a a holiday meal or that, which is super important. I care about that too. Um, But that kind of thought is what led me to um, putting together Feed the Resistance, um, which was this, I describe that as a little book with a lot in it, and that book I put together right after the last election and over 20 contributors, including Hawa and her incredible pasta sauce. We gave all the proceeds and are continuing to give all the proceeds from that book to the uh, ACLU, so I feel like that book really showed how you know a cookbook can really be a tool for so many things, um, including, you know, the protection of civil liberties, a tool to share recipes and essays from, you know, a really interesting and wonderful group of people, um, some people who, you know, we don't hear enough from. So, yeah, I really believe in, in cookbooks to be these kinds of tools of justice in, in obvious ways and not so obvious ways. Yeah, I try to really weave a lot into the work I do because I think people welcome cookbooks um, in ways that just I, I don't see other without a lot of judgment. Yeah, yeah, and and they become really personal. Um, yeah, and I feel like you kind of get to know the people behind them. So I feel really lucky to have the opportunity to share these kinds of things in my work and have people respond to it, you know, and respond positively. And I also feel very much like another form of activism I really care about is making sure that opportunity is available for other people. So that is a little bit about, you know, also why I started Equity at the Table, you know, just to make it really obvious that there's tons of people whose stories are so important and are worth asking about and telling and sharing and just connecting with and, you know, all these different people you can hire and there's a lot of us. Yeah, and I think one of the things the advisory board had talked about early on was making it so seamless for the people in power, 
you know, I think oftentimes people get in this space of saying, well, I couldn't find a black photographer, or I couldn't find a, a queer person for this project, or whatever it is. And I think when Julia came up with the idea, the reason why I was originally attracted to the project was because now everyone can go and literally scroll and find anyone that they're looking for on E without a lot of, you know, not a lot of research on their end. Right, right. It removes the excuse. Powerful, and it's done the work for the people in power. Yeah, I feel like one thing that's so, I'm so happy about with it, and the, yeah, we've talked together kind of as a group and stuff. I think one thing that makes it so powerful is that it's so simple. Um, you know, it's not a complicated site. It's, it's really obvious what it is and, you know, all these different ways you can use it. It's easy to use. It's free. You know, there's no barriers. It's really yeah. just, it's there. And, you know, we want people to bookmark it and come back to it. <laughs> um, you know, don't just look at it once. Keep like the yellow back. pages. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we should have called it that. <laughs> We've got more from Julia and Hawa coming up. But first, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And back to the interview. Julia, you, you wrote a uh, op-ed in the New York Times called The Resistance is Hungry, and you wrote a little bit about the, the history of resistance cookbooks and that intersection between uh, uh, activism and, and food. Could you talk a little bit about that? 
there's an enormous, enormous legacy um, to the intersection of food and activism. And, uh, you know, there's incredible examples, including um, Ms. Georgia Gilmore, who ran the Club from Nowhere during the Civil Rights uh, Movement, um, which was a group of, of women she organized in Montgomery, Alabama, during the bus boycotts. And these women, you know, for various reasons, couldn't necessarily be on the front lines, you know, marching or boycotting. Um, for many of them, it would mean, you know, losing a job or, uh, you know, something along those lines. So she put together this group that would cook and bake um, to quite literally feed the movement. Um, and they would sell, you know, sandwiches and and uh, cookies and whatever it was they were making. They would sell all this food um, to everyone who was boycotting because, you know, they had to eat something <laughs> and be sustained. And then they would take the money they made and put that money right back into the, into the movement and uh, give money to the Montgomery Improvement Association, which funded things like um, gasoline and new tires for the cars that were transporting people who still had to go from, you know, A to B, even if they weren't taking the bus. So to me, the Club from Nowhere and, and uh, Miss Georgia Gilmore are such incredible examples of how food and just the logistics of, of a movement are so important to any movement. And, um, you know, it's it's about people on the ground, and those people need to be fed and taken care of, and the people who feed them and take care of them are just as important and just as vital. And I think it's so much about this sort of ecosystem, and food has a, a huge role in it. So, yeah, there's examples for as long as kind of activism and, and movement building have happened because these things have happened because people made them happen, and, you know, people need to be fed and uh, brought together in community. And, you know, food is just, I think, the um, most obvious and kind of most important way to do that. Um, Hawa, would you tell us about the recipe that you contributed to Feed the Resistance, that pasta sauce? Yeah. um, So good. so (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of people don't know, but Somalia was colonized by the Italians and was given back um, to being Somalia in 1960. So both of my parents were born in an Italian colony. And one of the things that the Italians left behind was their love of pasta. And so when Julia originally got in touch with me, I think one of the requirements was, um, or one of the questions was, what recipe would you use to feed a group? And I come from a family of 10 uh, 10 children plus my mom and dad. So there are 12 of us. So I started thinking and I said, okay, well, what's something that we eat all the time? What is something that is really easy to make and kind of trans, you know, transitions across borders. And for me, that was our sugo. So it's a Somali pasta sauce that is made every single day in every Somali home. It's our comfort food. What makes it different is because Somalia is on the Indian ocean we use spices in the pasta sauce, um, like cardamom, cumin, turmeric, cinnamon bark. Um, and so it's, it's warm. It's, um, it's yummy. Uh, it's <laughs> flavorful. It tastes like something you've had before, but you don't know why because it's the pasta sauce. So I would say, honestly, I think it's the best pasta sauce ever, but I'm a little prejudiced. Um, <laughs> 
so yeah, the requirement was what would I what would I do um, if I were cooking for a group of people and what would I feed them and the pasta sauce to me seemed like the right thing to do. Um, and I also just wanted to I wanted people to know that Somali food isn't so foreign, and so that's how the pasta sauce came to be. That sounds so good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I saw I saw that recipe and I'm like, oh, I really want to go cook that right now. Uh, any any stories you can share that um, showcase what you're trying to do with with all of these projects? Success stories, you know, things that are kind of near and dear to y'all. Sure, one comes to mind for me that kind of connects us, um, which is so when when I was promoting Feed the Resistance, I got to. Um, uh, do a little bit of traveling, which included going to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, and I, I spoke to this really wonderful group of people at the Ann Arbor Public Library. And one of the people in the audience there uh, was this young man named Jordan, um, who I had already connected with on Instagram. He had cooked something, I believe, out of the book. And we you know, got to kind of commenting on each other's photos. And then he came to the event and was just so lovely. We had this really nice conversation, and we continued to stay in touch, uh, you know, via social media. And Jordan, who lives, I can't remember which city, but somewhere about maybe an hour from Ann Arbor, uh, started cooking his way through Feed the Resistance, um, including making Hawa's um, sugo, and, like, loved it and posted about it. And then, you know, you guys are now friends on, on Instagram, and what was so cool is there's a huge Somali population in Michigan, um, which Hawa could probably share a lot more about how that happened and everything. And so Jordan started doing some volunteer work with Somali refugees in Michigan. And, uh, you know, I don't know that that was precisely because he was, you know, cooking Hawa's sauce and Feed the Resistance, but there was definitely a, a connection there. And I think it. It speaks to the power of sharing food to kind of open someone's eyes to, you know, their neighbors in a whole new way. And um, it's also, I think, speaks to the power of how we're all connected through um, through our phones <laughs> and through the Internet and the kinds of really, like, wonderful and, um, like, life-enriching relationships we all have really easy access to, which, again, kind of reminds me of equity at the table. So it's, it's sort of all connected. And I just, I love that story. And I think about Jordan a lot because I, I think, you know, I wouldn't have gotten to meet him and have the conversations he and I have been able to have, you know, if I hadn't done that book. And, you know, I also wouldn't uh, know how it's pasta, pasta sauce <laughs> if I hadn't asked her for a recipe. And, you know, that's something that I make now for, for me and my wife all the time. My wife, Grace, cooks it all the time, too. So, you know, all of this stuff connects us, I think, makes our lives bigger and more interesting um, and just kind of continues to put, like, a face to a name, like, over and over and over again. And I just think it's, yeah, I always just think about him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what do you guys hope uh, hope hope for the future? I know that's a really big question. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Hawa? <laughs> what do I hope for the future? Honestly, so from things. a selfish per- I know I'm like from a very selfish perspective. I would love to see Somali food be available all across America in regular grocery aisles and not just like in a small small ethnic shelves. Um, I really do think that East African cuisine is where Indian food was about 30 years ago. 
there's a huge interest in Africa right now. And so I think not only being able to share those stories through food and having people get excited, but having people go out and purchase foods and cookbooks that pertain to Africa, for me, is really where I'm at now and I'm very hopeful about. And that's what I do every single day. I try to talk about refugee issues. I try to talk about Somalia as much as possible in a very in a very light way, in a way that people understand. I think oftentimes one of the things I always read about myself online is, oh, I love the way how it talks about being a refugee. Well, it's just displaced people. It's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's people that are going to recover and maybe, you know, for a time in their life, they're really displaced and there's something else coming after, but it isn't the end of life. And so I'm really excited to share those stories and to close the gap a little bit and to really show people just how much alike we are. Like the Jordan story is so important. This is somebody I now regularly send sauces to. (laughs) This is somebody who comments on, you know, posts about Somali stuff every single day. This is someone I now have a relationship with because of a pasta sauce that Julia put in her cookbook. So I don't, I'm, I'm very hopeful. I'm really excited to just all of us figure out exactly how much we're alike as opposed to how different we are. And uh, uh, Julia? Yeah, um, I would just echo everything Hollis said. Um, and I guess my hope is that, um, you know, stories about uh, written by and, um, you know, shared or kind of focus on, on you know, people like Hawa and her story, uh, people like myself and, you know, if I'm talking about like what I'm cooking for my wife, that kind of thing. I really, I hope that these stories become pretty unexceptional. Um, that right. So <laughs> sort of part of, of the mix of stories that are told and don't feel like, um, yeah, like an exception. And I think the more all of our stories get shared and the more we're all able to share them uh, and make the decisions about <laughs> which stories get shared, uh, I think the more we'll, we'll really be in a place that is what Hala described where, you know, we all come to understand how much we have in common, even if we feel like we're really different sometimes. Um, and food just gives us the opportunity to do that in so many ways. Um, yeah, every single day, which is amazing. We've got some more food and activism stuff to talk about here. But first, a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me 
Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from ATT Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. ATT Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit ATT.com slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And now back to the interview. Pu- pulling back a little bit from that, what's a, what, what's kind of visible on the horizon for uh, for starting starting with eat? Uh, like you mentioned, maybe it evolving into something else. Sure. Yeah, I think for eat, we are definitely. Um, I'm I'm just really curious to see how the community continues to grow, um, and I I think there's some things probably coming up. Sooner, including, I keep thinking about doing just a newsletter for the community, almost like a community board, like, hey, you know, how I came out with this new sauce, you should try it. Like, so-and-so wrote this awesome article. Uh, this person just won an award. Like, let's congratulate them. Like, something like that, just to sort of keep connecting the community, I think, is really key. Um, but my, my big hope is just to get to know everyone who's on EAT a little bit better, because it has very quickly grown into a group of people that um, is just, it's a bigger group than I know personally, which was my dream, <laughs> was to find, you know, have it be this easy way for for people who, who don't know each other to find each other. So I'm excited to kind of get to know everyone. And, you know, we've talked about the possibility of, you know, maybe trying to figure out ways to bring some people together in person, you know, do in-person events, that kind of thing. Uh, but for now, I'm just, I'm super excited to just watch it grow and figure out the best way for us to all get to know each other. Oh, cool. Um, what other, what personal projects are you guys working on other than this? Uh, uh, Julia, you've been uh, working on a uh, new cookbook. So, uh, so two things. Is I have a um, a new cookbook that is coming out in the fall, so I'm getting ready to I get that out there. And it was actually the book I was working on and I was on deadline for when I had the idea to do Feed the Resistance. <laughs> so I <laughs> put it on hold for a minute. Um, so that book is coming out in, in September and it's called Now and Again. And it, it's super fun. It's all menus and then ways to reinvent the leftovers, um, which was really my favorite thing to do. <laughs> um, so I'm excited about that. And it's just, it's a really fun kind of creative book. And I think we'll just, hopefully make people really, you know, comfortable to cook at home and then excited to, you know, have something left over in their fridge and not, you know, feel like it's the same thing again. Mm. So that's my thing coming up. But then I'm just as excited that Hala and I have been working together on a, on a book proposal. Um, and I, it's a book that I think neither of us, I think, would be able to do just on our own. Um, and the whole process of working together has taught me so much about 
how powerful it can be when you collaborate with someone who, you know, brings a whole other set of, of skills and ideas and people uh, to your table. Um, yeah, and how much sort of bigger your table gets, just to keep the metaphor going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so for Best Best, we recently hired a CFO. We are in the process of expanding from just a Somali condiment to an umbrella, uh, condiments from the continent. Um, we're in the process of raising our first round of funds at the moment. So I'm really excited to expand deeper into the grocery stores we're already in and get into more grocery stores while developing new products. That's where we're at right now. Um, and Hawa, would you talk a little bit about some of the causes that you support through the business? Um, uh, uh, aspiring immigrant women, uh, the, that uh, Dr. Hawa Abdi Foundation? Yeah. Um, so... Just to be super transparent, we are we put our relationship on hold with Dr. Hab, um, Hawa Abdi um, because we've had some, there's been just some terrible things happening in Somalia, which has not allowed them to communicate um, with us in the last year, but we just started speaking again. Uh, but in the meantime, we've gotten involved with a company called Zana Africa, and Zana Africa is a nonprofit that supports adolescent girls in Kenya, which is where I spent what I would call like my formative years. So they, so one of the biggest problems in East Africa at the moment is, and in developing countries, is that girls drop out of school as soon as they start their period because it becomes an extra cost for the parents to buy sanitary napkins for the girls. So I've partnered with Zana Africa to provide over 10,000 girls pads every single year. We've done one year already and are doing our second year now. When you keep a girl in school, the higher up she gets in education, the less at risk she is for things like AIDS and HIV, early pregnancy. Uh, one of the bigger problems in East Africa at the moment is children being sold into trafficking, sex trafficking. And so... Keeping a girl in school combats all of that, and that's something I'm really excited to be a part of and to be doing it in Kenya, where so many Somali refugees live, brings me such great pleasure. Oh, that's amazing. Um, do you have any words of advice or, or, or dare I say, wisdom for, for people who are looking to get involved in their, in their own communities? I would say start. Even if it's just starting small with a group of three people, just start. I think sometimes, especially in the West, we we want to do things, but we get stuck at wanting to do it. I'd advise anybody interested in making any kind of impact. There's so much reward that comes from just taking the first step. So do that. And then from there, keep building. Julia? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think um, just... Starting is so important and is just is really straightforward but really useful advice. Um, and I would say from what I've learned just um, from my own work is to basically just get involved in things you're already doing. Um, use those as ways to kind of, you know, find your way in. You don't have to start something new or do something that's totally out of your routine or, or comfort right. zone. I think if we all focus on things we already do, we already spend our time on, we already enjoy, 
Um, and we kind of just figure out how to sort of turn the volume up a little bit, um, you know, to add a little bit more meaning to it. Uh, and, you know, so a good example is I love to cook. Um, that's what I love to do. That's why I write cookbooks because I just, I love to cook. I'm a, my happiest when I'm cooking. So I use food as my way of getting involved, you know, whether it's cooking for my community. I have like a, a weekly volunteer shift I do for, you know, a program that provides meals mm-hmm. for, for people who are chronically ill, um, whether it's, you know, adding a, a cookbook project that, um, you know, amplifies voices that are underrepresented, that, you know, donates its proceeds to the ACLU. You know, I, I use food as my way into all of this work because it's the thing I love to do. So I'll keep showing up for it because it's the thing I love, uh, but I do anyway. <laughs> um, so I think figuring out whatever that is for you, you know, if you're a, a graphic designer, maybe you spend a little bit of your time designing, you know, flyers or, or you know, any kind of website, whatever it is for, for an organization that's, um, you know, really involved in your community already. You know, I think we can all take the skills we're already doing um, and just apply them in, in new ways. I don't, I don't think we have to come up with whole new skill sets. Uh, how can how can people support Eat uh, or or get involved with it? So um, Eat is uh, at equityofthetable dot com, and you can do a number of ways to get involved and support it. You can just come visit the site and get to know everyone. Um, bookmark the site if you are in any position of of power. So if you're an editor or you are an author that can hire a photographer or if you run a restaurant and you're looking for a new farmer, um, you know, if you're in any position where you can sort of hire someone, I would just highly suggest taking a look at EAT and seeing if if there's anyone there. Um, you can join EAT directly through the site. It's super easy. It takes like about a minute. Um, we're always looking to grow our community. You can follow our Instagram feed, which is just at Equity at the Table. And we also have a, I don't know if it's pronounced, Patreon or Patreon, um, we have a, uh, one of those. Um, so if you want to support Eat financially, um, you can make like a monthly pledge, which is awesome because even if it's like, you know, a dollar a month or something, it, it really helps and helps pay for the hosting fees. And um, I have one part-time employee who helps with the Instagram, who's awesome, Mimi, um, so it helps to pay her. So... Yeah, there's a number of ways to to get involved, um, to support it, and most importantly, just keep coming back to the site and keep coming back to get to know everyone. Where can people find the both of you? Uh, You can find actually both of us on Equity at the Table. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter. My handle on both is my last name, which is Tertian, and my website is just my name, JuliaTertian.com, and all the information about my books and everything I work on is right there. Um, you can find me in New York City. <laughs> you can find Best Best at most Whole Foods in New York City and all of Dean and DeLuca's. You can also find me at Instagram at H-A-W-A underscore 22. Uh, we, we, we've enjoyed it so much. Thank you guys so much for talking with us. No, thank you. This was really fun. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for being here. This is, I'm so glad this exists and that you guys are doing this work. Um, very needed and very important to us. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on the both of you and eat for sure. 
And that was our interview. And I hope that you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed doing it. Um, very, very inspirational stuff. Happy to have. So much. Well, we'll definitely uh, be keeping an eye on the two of them. So I hope a lot of you go check out Eat and um, look into both Julie and Hoa. They have uh, really cool stories, like origin stories, if you want to check that out. Oh, yeah. It is available on the online. Uh, but now... <laughs> the internet. <laughs> I'm from there. Lauren is from there. I'm pretty sure she just, like, digitized one day. <laughs> I think it says on her license, from yeah. internet. From internet. Yeah. Um, and speaking of from the internet, it's time for... Listener Mail. Yeah. Dang. Some good synchronicity there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome, listeners. (laughs) This first listener mail is from Amberly. She wrote, As pumpkins are one of my all-time favorite foods, I loved hearing your pumpkin episode. I have this tradition every November of rescuing uncarved pumpkins from the curb on garbage day that people had been using as decoration. Amberly, I love you. As soon as (laughs) November 1st comes, people start throwing out perfectly good food, so I keep an eye out and rescue them. I usually collect around 10 pumpkins, most of which get turned into pumpkin puree and frozen to be later used in soups, desserts, sandwich bread, oatmeal, and really just about anything you can throw pumpkin in. It makes a lot of pumpkin puree. My sister every year tries to convince me I don't need any more pumpkins, but I just can't let good food go to waste. (laughs) That's beautiful. It really is. I'm going to do that next year, (laughs) and I'm probably going to get in some serious trouble with the, was it next door? Oh. The next door that I'm part of is mostly, like, (laughs) passive-aggressive. I think that's what next door is That's just what it is. I'll be plastered all over it. <laughs> Local girl stealing pumpkins from garbage <laughs> I look forward to those next door stories. I do as well. Megan wrote to us on Facebook and said, Hello, ladies. I love the podcast and as a Canadian was thrilled to hear your recent episode about maple syrup. I have a little story about the sweet treat myself. When I was 16, I went on a school trip to France where for one week I was belayed in the home of a family in Avignon. As a gift, I brought the family some smoked salmon, a specialty of the West Coast where I live, maybe a future episode, and, of course, maple syrup. However, the family had never seen, how would you say that? Syrup d'érable. They'd never (laughs) seen that before. In the south of France, it's common to drink sparkling water mixed with different flavored syrups, something like an Italian soda, and they assumed this must be similar. I cannot say that the resulting beverage was the highlight of my trip, but it was certainly a memorable fusion of Provencal and Canadian cuisine. I did suggest to them that it's more typically used on le crepe and crepes, and they promised to bear that in mind for the future. (laughs) (laughs) Megan also alerted me to a video from the Dodo that's being passed around about a cat named Potato, and it's a really cute video. And if you haven't had that come through your feed yet, I recommend looking it up. I, yes. It's a very potato-looking cat, and it's it's doing the best that it can. <laughs> That's all any of us can do, Lauren. Oh, I know. <laughs> Keep going on, potato. <laughs> Hang in there, as the kitten poster says. <laughs> we're all rooting for you. We really are. Oh, we're rooting for for everyone today. This is oh, this has been so inspiring. It really has. Um, th- thank you to to them for writing in. 
Yes, and for Julia and Hawa for being in this episode. And um, thanks to all of you for listening. And you can write to us as well. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at foodstuffhsw, stands for How Stuff Works, and also on Instagram at foodstuff. It's pretty simple. Uh, th- thanks further to our super producer, Dylan Fagan, who just... <laughs> <laughs> Who just appeared gopher-like, but in a much more magical way from behind behind the desk. <laughs> Thanks again to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.